0: The People Innovation Podcast, the conversation about innovation, culture and leadership. Hello
1: and welcome to the People Innovation Podcast. I'm Joe Nagel from the Innovation Beehive and I'm joined by Mark O'Keefe, the founder of the Innovation Beehive and
0: author of the Innovation Ecosystem. Hi Mark, how are you doing? Hello, good. I'm excited to talk today about innovation. That's why I get out of bed in the morning.
1: (laughs) And what have you been doing recently, Mark?
0: Um, so recently, actually, we have held our first ever open innovation boot camp at Google, which is very exciting. And we had a number of clients in the room. And, um, and what was fascinating about that, actually, is just looking at the diversity of clients. We had people from retail and hospitality. We had people from manufacturing. We had people from, from headhunting. Uh, we had people from tech. And what, when I looked around that room, I thought innovation isn't the, the domain responsibility, of the problem for one particular industry. Actually, everyone in industry, whatever business you're in, is grappling with this challenge of how do we innovate? And of course, when you were researching your book,
1: you didn't just interview people from the tech sector, for example, you interviewed people from a wide range of sectors to try and understand innovation across the board. And we're going to be hearing from somebody from a, from
0: a, maybe a non, a a less innovation traditional. Well, I I think, you know, when you think innovation, when you pick up Fast Company or something, it's always the sexy app company in Silicon Valley. It's always, it's always Googles or or Facebooks or something, but actually, you know, they represent, to some extent, just a small part of, of the world's businesses, so they, traditional industries whether you're working in manufacturing whether you're working in energy whatever it might be they need to innovate to stay relevant and and to their customers um, so it's sometimes hard or harder to innovate in those industries but there's lots you can do and that's what the innovation ecosystem helps you to do it helps you to identify the four key elements that you need to have in place regardless of whether you work in tech uh, tech or heavy manufacturing.
1: So Mark, The Innovation Ecosystem is the book that you wrote. We've been talking about
0: it for the last few weeks. Can you just give us a bit of a recap on what those four elements are? Yeah, so The Innovation Ecosystem, as you know, grew out of 10 years at The Innovation Beehive, working with clients and also visiting some of the world's most innovative organisations to understand what they do and then take those learnings back to our clients. And what I identified were what I call the golden thread, So four key elements that those organisations have in common that mean they are continually innovation and one is a very clear innovation direction. This is a clear articulation of the innovation imperative that links into the business strategy and ultimately the purpose of the organisation. But it gives people the direction in which to focus their innovation efforts. The second is what I call the environment and that is where leaders come in. This is about the culture that you have in the organisation and this is about leaders talking continuously in their messaging about the innovation direction, not just once a year at a town hall. The third element is what we call the engine and this is the structures and processes that you put in place in an organisation often where somebody might go first and think about innovation, whether it's a hackathon or an innovation, you know, design thinking process that will help, but it won't in and of itself make you innovative and the fourth element, I might be stealing thunder, but the fourth element today is all about the people. We call it the enablers. We believe that people are at the heart of innovation alongside their customers and giving people the tools, the techniques and the space to innovate. Thanks, Mark. That's a
1: really great summary of uh, the innovation ecosystem. And you know, if anyone's missed the previous three episodes of the podcast, do go back to those to explore the direction the environment and the engine, but today we're focusing on the enablers. And I'm sure if anyone from the HR community is listening, they heard you say this is about the people, and they're thinking, ah, this is the bit where I come into it. But actually, wouldn't you agree, Mark, that, you know, the HR community can actually drive the innovation ecosystem
0: across the board? Oh, I think HR are crucial, actually, to driving innovation, because they're about um, employee engagement. They're about putting people at the forefront of the organisation. And, you know, if you think about one of the most important things that the HR community does is deal with employee engagement through things like an employee satisfaction survey. And certainly, when I was an HR director, I I did look at some of the hygiene factors, you know, whether we had the right pay rates, or whether we had the right, you know, physical offices, etc. But from a commercial point, of view thinking about employee engagement in the employee opinion survey and from the enabler section of the book it's about understanding are people engaged enough are they motivated do they want to go that extra mile are they really engaged enough to really dig deep into your customers problems and therefore have the motivation and the capability to solve them It's really interesting to hear you say
1: that, Mark. I think perhaps a lot of people who hear the word enablers for the first time, maybe without having read the book, might be thinking, oh, well, that's training and development. But what you're saying is there's a bit more to it than that.
0: Absolutely, it's about mindset and it's about motivation and I believe that uh, the HR team through coaching the executive or actually putting uh, some of the processes and structures and the capability building programmes in the organisation are able to absolutely tie that up in a magic intersection that drives the culture of innovation. So you've got the culture of innovation, but also what I sense from you is that actually there is
1: a need for capability building in the organisation. Yeah,
0: I mean, you can't, you just, you know, you wouldn't give someone a new piece of software and just expect them to be able to go away and use it. Yet somehow, you know, people are just told to go away and innovate. There are tools and techniques, we teach them on our innovation capability building programmes for example, but you can learn how to have an idea, you can learn how to communicate an idea, to build a prototype, how to fail and learn from that failure. So absolutely, it's more than just that. And looping right back to that
1: wonderful quote that has just stuck with me all of these weeks from Ivy Ross, where you said that actually you need to fall in love with the program, with with the problem, as opposed to falling in love with the solution. There's also a piece I think in a lot of organisations around capability building for insights as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So making sure that you have the right capability in the business, they're really able to interrogate what the problem is. And sometimes that problem may not be what your exec tell you it is, what your customers tell you it is, or what you first think it is. But you need to give people the tools and the techniques to be able to really scratch back to the deep essential human truth around a particular problem. And once you've identified that, that is incredibly differentiating and you're able to create products, services, brands, and experiences that your competition are not. Great, thanks, Mark.
1: And in some ways, The Enablers is my favorite section of the of, of your book because one of the things that I love about it is that you, the person who you spoke to in your interview, I mean, I know you spoke to a lot of people, but the person who made it into the book was a guy called Will Redaway from J. Murphy & Sons, and Jay Murphy & Sons is a construction company. And I must say, you know, I, I would never have thought immediately of construction when I thought of innovation. And it's so nice to see that, you know, we, you've, been, you've been looking at a whole cross-section of industry to start gleaning these insights into how organisations build the innovation ecosystem. So, Mark, when, when you did your interview with Will, what, what,
0: what would you say are the, the sort of key things people need to be listening out for? so will as you said in the traditional industry absolutely is driving at the forefront of innovation he was one of my most exciting interviews as part of the book Um, so a couple of things he did firstly you'll hear about he talks about the innovation foundation and this was making sure that he had c-suite executive sponsorship so there was absolute buy-in from the top whether that was in terms of how they talked about it leading or how they resourced it so c-suite involvement And secondly, actually rather juxtaposing against it, he started from the bottom up. So he believes, as we do at the Innovation Beehive, that if you release the potential and the energy of your people at work, those who interact with your customers on a day-to-day basis, they're able to identify the problems that will need solving in the future. And to do that, he created a very transparent and open innovation platform. Um, And thirdly, by building that community, he was creating innovation ambassadors right across the organisation, not just in an innovation team. So innovation became everyone's responsibility. And these people were so excited about being engaged in the conversation. They then went out and excited other people around innovation.
1: So he gave them empowerment, he gave them direction, he gave them skills, he gave them structure and through that he enabled them to innovate. So let's hear from Will in your interview with him about what Jay Murphy & Sons did to enable their people to innovate.
0: So hello everyone, I am here with Will Redaway who is the Group Head of Innovation at J. Murphy & Sons. Hello Will. Hello Mark. Thank you so much for coming along and for agreeing to share with us your innovation expertise. Particularly in the construction industry, it's not possibly the first place people think of when they think of innovation.
2: Unfortunately not, but um, I'm hopefully I'll dispel some of those myths and uh, explain why innovation actually is quite a big thing. Or certainly an up-and-coming thing in our industry. I studied engineering, uh, electronic and systems engineering, uh, at Loughborough University. Where, upon completing my degree, I worked for a small specialist firm setting up systems, IT, telecommunication, integration, uh, integrated systems on luxury yachts. So the, oh, wow. uh, yes, the, the big floating gym palaces you see at the Cannes film festival. And I spent a lot of time doing that, and that was that sort off my journey on innovation and. Uh, understanding that actually pushing the boundaries can deliver better and more, more wonderful things because we had very discerning clients as you can imagine from mm-hmm. those sort of yachts who had a very large budget and wanted the best of the best of the best so we went and sought out the best of the best of the best that we played practiced we had labs where, where we got to test different things. I mean, when I say lab, i mean a workbench in the corner of the, the office. So the whole innovation process is like microcosm. Correct. Uh, and we tried, we tested things, we, we put it into production, and then when we were happy with it, we delivered it and made it work and trained people on how to use it. By example, uh, in the early 2000s, so just after the, the year 2000 uh, hype, uh, we were sailing across the Atlantic and we were able to make a mobile phone call in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean to our colleagues were walking down Oxford Circus or Oxford Street in London. Uh, and it was the first time we, I mean, the technology had been around for a while, but actually creating that full end-to-end using a mobile phone. You know, when you go abroad, it roams. Mm. But when you're out to sea, there's no cell for it to roam to. So we created a mini mobile phone network on the boat, which connected through the satellite system, went up to space, down to uh, somewhere in, in the UK, made its way across to or EE or whatever, and then made as well to you uh, walking down opposite Circus, which was, to me, back in early 2000, was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, even to this day now, uh, the fact that you can make a mobile phone call on the
0: plane, I find incredible. Um, but what will those oligarchs do without being able to make their mobile phone calls um, on their yachts? Well, I
2: mean, that's the thing. I mean, they it still costs £100 a minute or whatever it was, but <clears> you know, they were able to receive text messages and whatever. So... But after that, after I felt like I had, I had grown. I'd been there for about eight years. I'd learnt a lot, and I wanted to spread my wings. And I jumped out of engineering and work, worked for a company called G4S, um, mm-hmm. not on the security side of the business, but on the cash management side of the business. Um, now, my role was purely operational, make, make things better, run the operation. Um, but I had my engineering hat firmly on, and and within six months, I sort of had Made some suggestions on how we could re engineer a lot of processes, move away from paperwork. Believe it or not, we were handling millions of pounds worth of money every day and signing everything on carbonates and paper. So, uh, and this was already mid 2000s, so technology was already moved on quite a bit since then. Made a proposal to, to the board saying, how about we bring in a sort of continuous improvement or you know, process engineering team in to, to re engineer how we work. Uh, floated the idea past them, uh, reviewed it, and they, within, within two months, they approved it. And a team was built of which I joined. I didn't want to run it at that time. I was quite happy to, to put the suggestion forward, but I wasn't particularly keen to run it. We then, over the period of five years, we changed a lot of processes, brought in automation, brought in uh, IT, IT systems, um, handheld terminals, and uh, we, we brought in several million pounds worth of improvements in, in our time. Um, which was I was particularly proud of, and this was during the Olympics as well, so uh, uh, a really proud achievement uh, uh, for, for, for me personally. Owing to our success, they thought we didn't need such a big team, and they cut our team by half, and uh, uh, it became untenable. So I thought, time to move on, and I, I, I was itching to get back into engineering. So an opportunity to join Crossrail uh, came up, and uh, they had a position for an innovation sort of manager, consultant type role. And it fits, it ticks all the boxes, you know, stimulates change, work with people of diverse multidisciplinary teams, work across the whole of the project, deliver as much different things as possible to add as much value to Crossrail, and also to shake up and stimulate the industry to behave differently. And I thought, well, that's right on my street. I enjoy that sort of stuff. So I applied, got the drone, and then within the four years I was at Crossrail, we won first place for best demonstration of innovation in public sector. Uh, by the New Engineering Foundation, Mm -hmm. uh, which was sponsored by the Institute of Innovation and Knowledge Exchange. It was an accolade for us because we proved that innovation can happen in a multi-billion pound project, it can work in a a public sector environment, it can work with multi-contractor teams. So we had multi-tier contractors working together to deliver innovation for Crossrail and collaborating, sharing data, sharing information, uh, but also proved that actually innovation in our industry was rife and alive and kicking. But we just had you had to put the right things in place to make it come to life. Before leaving Crossrail, I, I joined the KTN Knowledge Transfer Network, which is part of Innovate UK for, for a second for six months to help them transfer our innovation program from Crossrail to an industry platform. Right. So it's called the I3P, the uh, infrastructure industry innovation platform. And it's taking our model across Rail, but making it not Crossrail specific, but making it ele- you know elevating it to a stick. Correct. So the I3P now, to this day, has Crossrail, HS2, Highways England, Environment Agency, Hinkley Point C, Heathrow, uh, Anglia Water, are all client organisations that have joined it. And then we have all the Tier 1s, Kossain, Skanska, langel some designers like ACOM and Atkins have all joined to be part of this consortium to continue that, that momentum that we started at, at Crossrail. And, you know, during that sort of time of doing those two jobs at Crossroad and at KTN, I was uh, approached to, to by, by Jay Murphy and Sons to join them uh, to lead their innovation capability. Uh, Jay Murphy and Sons are currently going through a massive transformation programme. Uh, it's called the 10-year plan, uh, which kicked off in 2015. Our target is 2025 to grow the business from a £400,000, uh, 3% turnover business to a £2 billion, 10% of the business. In the construction industry anything over uh, over 3% is considered fantastic. Right. Uh, we are a very tight margin industry. Mm.
0: Mm. Tell me a little bit about your role then. You're your group head of innovation. Correct. What does that what does that cover? The role initially was
2: stimulate an innovative culture. Secondly was to embed a culture of collaboration and empowering our staff to to behave differently. Train either directly or indirectly our staff to understand and appreciate different types of innovation and what innovation is and how it can be construed and uh, what it entails. Uh, try and maximise funding opportunities to stimulate growth uh, by stimulating knowledge and, and opportunities. Tap into uh, SMEs, small and medium enterprises, startups, try and give them a a way into our business to actually create a bit of disruption but also just to seek out new ways of working, new knowledge and new experience. And then lastly, um, uh, sorry, penultimately, develop an academic network, spreading the tentacles out to as many universities uh, uh, as possible to come and work with us, for us, together, to share their skills, their knowledge, new advances in concrete, steel, fabrication, Mm -hmm. whatever, to stimulate how we work and understand that actually this way of pouring concrete can be completely revolutionized if we add this compact for example but if we don't have that knowledge we can't do that and then lastly is to maximize our r d tax claims which is something that our, as an industry we're not very good at doing in the first place and that creates a self-fulfilling cycle of funding and uh, a pot of money for proof of concepts we're never going to spend millions of pounds on buying Businesses with this money—it's there to either buy people's time, uh, to de-risk a program, to create a sandbox to try something on a live project, uh, to pay for a bit of IT or a bit of equipment to do to, to trial something. And again, it's to understand that proof of concept, whether it's scalable, whether it aligns with our 10-year plan, whether it aligns with our values and our strategic drivers. Um, and whether or not it, it, it actually does what it says on the tin before we deploy it. A bit like a, on a computer, a, know, the IT guys, they do a test server and then they, they don't put it live until they're sure it works and they swap swap them out and hope that everything
0: if you had to choose one yes what's the one piece that you enjoy the most it's oh, very difficult yeah i, I, I draw all of it one of
2: seven well yes um the the i think the thing i enjoy most is is seeing that realization in people's eyes when they realize that what they're doing is actually contributing to our innovation ecosystem to our innovation behaviors and creating value for the business uh without you know that is that perception of I'm just an engineer or I'm just a finance accountant or I'm just a procurement manager to oh I've added value which I didn't realise I was doing because a lot of people do their job day to day I come in I'm, a, I'm an accountant you crunch your numbers you provide you do your value bit by doing by providing the data and the the, the, the company needs to make decisions business intelligence but if you're doing something which adds more value it doesn't always get appreciated But then I think what I offer is that sort of sounding board and that that, that bit of reflection where people kind of realise, well, actually, I'm adding more value than I I realise. I I did something that actually is considered ahead of the game or or, or transformational. I want people to realise that their inputs can be transformational. For our industry, being transformational takes years and years and years. It's like a Leviathan. It takes a long time. But it's the sum of its parts that, that makes it what it is. But if you have all those individuals slowly pushing against that, in due course, you get get changed, your direction changes. Now, you you do have to be careful, because if you push yourself too far in the wrong direction, you realise you're not going wrong. Once that momentum builds up, you've got to make sure you either at the right time to push it in the other direction you want to. Um, And so it's a nice balance. That's why you have to have in innovation, as I'm sure you know. The people who challenge you to push back against you really flesh out. The direction that
0: you're going. So one of the, the, the things you talked about there is, is uh, you know we passionately believe about re- uh, unlocking and releasing the potential of people at work um, and that uh, ideas are in people you just that, and money is on the table in organisations you just need to release people's creative potential their innovative potential they can come up with the ideas to solve your problems mm. so what you talk about there is enabling people to yes. do that can you tell us a little bit about how jay murphy and sons enable people to become involved in innovation and feel that their contribution is valued before i joined uh the bright
2: ideas initiative was there exactly to do that to empower people or seemingly to empower people to be innovative now they would offer vouchers of money or, or shopping discounts whatever and prizes for people to come up with ideas and solutions But that's where where it stopped. It was come up with an idea, oh, well done, here's 250 quid or whatever, and then that's it. The idea would be filed away in the bottom drawer somewhere and it would be left to die. There was no systematic way of delivering and managing innovation. And people sort of look at me, you know, slightly strangely, say, well, how can you have governance and how can you have procedures and processes and procedures for innovation? Doesn't that stifle creativity? And I said, no, no, very much not. It helps rein in and bring in value because that, that triage process, that, that fleshing out of an idea, that seeking out, has it been done before within our industry? Has it been done before within our own company? So or how people? did
0: you use Bright Ideas differently? So um, I killed Bright Ideas. Ah, okay.
2: Um, <laughs> I killed the dead because it wasn't working and I wanted to rebrand and bring a new lease of life to innovation, so we, we our innovation program is now called the Innovation Foundation. So, again, nice play on words with the yeah. foundation and like building. Uh, but also, it creates the initials IF, and it asks us, you know, if we did this, and what if? And I wanted to create that stimulation for people to ask questions. And so, so the Innovation Foundation was based on an open, systematic approach to delivering innovation Proce- process procedures, but ownership and accountability. So the the, the the thing I made clear from the beginning, when I started, with the whole of the C-suite, the directors, and the C and leadership team, is that I need your support. You need to bring it in on the agenda. It doesn't. Have, it should no longer be a tick box exercise. It needs to be bought in, believed uh, in, and, and actually can can realise some value. Innovation cannot be tendered. It has to be nurtured and it's grown from the bottom and you know, nurture from the top, and you have to join them. And where I sit is between those two, and I hold out my hand on either side and pull it up from the bottom, but also pull the guys down from the top and join those hands together. And what we've created is a very, very transparent, open innovation platform where operatives at all levels will put their ideas in, and you, you, you will get directors, and even sometimes the members of the, the, the C-suite replying to people saying, that's a fantastic idea. Straight away, that credibility Goes, goes up for the program because people think I'm being taken seriously. Right. Even if the idea isn't worthy of taking forwards, they well, go, I'm
0: also being recognized.
2: Well, yes, is they're being recognized Exactly that. Um, uh, but, but just to, to, to really put it into perspective, uh, we've recently funded one of our first ideas, um, which is uh, uh, it'll be on our, on our public website on Innovation Edge, which I'll talk about uh, in a minute. but it's effectively an in-house eBay. For murphy because when we buy materials for a job we'll sometimes over deliver or over order or bring the wrong stuff and often it either goes to landfill or we just get struck away or given away because you know we're talking about that 10 percent profit margin well we self-harm and that's one of the things we can re- remove so an operative i mean you know not a very senior level person came up with this idea put it onto our innovation platform it went through the review process functional sponsor uh, our procurement director reviewed it, thought it was a fantastic idea. He was invited to come present, not in Dragon's Den style because that's a bit too aggressive. It was a very casual, come and talk to your idea to our Engineering Tomorrow Forum, chaired by uh, our CEO, John Murphy, uh, our COO, Peter Anderson, our People Director, Jonathan Wright, and then we have um, our Engineering Director, Alistair Smith. And then two non-exec directors who are two ex-ICE presidents. One is Professor Barry Clark, who's a professor in Leeds. And the other chap is Professor uh, Peter Hansford. Uh, he did the Hansford quite a review for the Grenfell Towns, for example. Prominent people, our non-exec directors, help us review the idea. Now, that sounds quite ominous. How does an operative come? Don't get me wrong, they are a little bit nervous. I can you know, seeing an operative who you normally know, wears PPE come in in a shirt and a... And a you know, suit trousers was quite funny. They were made up at ease. John Murphy asked the operative, do you want a cup of tea? And it was literally a conversation like you and I are having right now. Tell us about your idea why it's good and why we should be looking into it. And they did. And obviously, the people that came up with the idea are really passionate about it. They're being listened to. They have an audience with the senior leadership team. There were questions, asking, you know, not deep financial questions, which would be unfair for someone at that level to answer. But the premise of the idea was very well rounded, very well fleshed out and they loved it and they, they thought it was a brilliant idea and the operative and I, when we left the, the, the meeting, was buzzing. I mean he was visibly
0: vibrating. Down that level of engagement is really hard to Correct. find and you've got a process that enables that to happen as well. Correct. But what's good about that and what I think is really important
2: it's the fact that people are now seeing that it's real that will then percolate and that will then be echoed across. Especially when you have someone at a lower level within the business who's actually being listened to. That will spread like wildfire. Now I had been at Murphy for just over a year before this happened, but I had to put in that education piece for the senior leadership team. I had to get some buy-in from the senior leadership team that actually to afford me some time with their staff, but also to create what uh, is a a champion network, an innovation champion network. Tell me about that, innovation champion network. Yes, so uh, in a a building like this, for example, uh, you'll have first aiders and you'll have fire wardens and so on. It's a discretionary role, you don't have to do it, but you do it because you feel you want to add some value to or or help out the business, for example. Um in our industry, we have uh, diversity champions, we've got uh, STEM ambassadors, uh, and they're, they're all really, really important. And I kind of think, well, people take on these voluntary roles all the time. So would people be up for being an innovation champion? Uh, so I asked the, the, well, I spoke to the exec, and I said, look, I, I'm going to seek out a group of high-performing individuals or passionate individuals who like uh, innovation, or understand innovation, or want to be involved, or learn about it. I looked through the old bright ideas piece and saw some of the people who contributed to it, and I reached out to them. And they were a bit angry. They said, "Oh, well, innovation never worked here. What are you going to do about it?" And so I said, "Well, look, I need people like you." And the exec agreed that they would happily sign off at least a day of their time per month. We've got champions at all levels, you know, from heads of to to operative, and they've all been given the time to take some time out to come and work with me, do a workshop with me, or whatever. And,
0: so and what's like, their role? What do they do? And well, as an innovation champion... As an innovation, you know, innovation champion, right? their roles
2: are... They're an ambassador for innovation. They need to know what innovation's about, so they need to understand our innovation strategy. So, what is innovation? Examples of innovation are Murphy, so that they can, they can relate to, to other people. Helping people bring, put their ideas onto our innovation portal. Putting innovation as an agenda item in their meetings that they attend. Making sure that toolbox talks, which are morning briefing meetings that you have out on site, that an innovation piece is put in. Telling people, by the way, there's an innovation activity, come, come and join us. Being a little bit more observant than they normally would be and just being naturally inquisitive. It has to be the right sort of person. But also have, uh, be a naive resource. Get themselves, invite themselves to meetings that, ne- that might not be anything to do with their discipline, but just to try and stimulate opportunities as well. And to disrupt in the positive way, meetings and our operations, to actually add some value. So we've got a slowly growing network of, of innovation champions. We're about, up to about 70 now. So there was an, an initial launch event back in September last year where our chairman, Alistair Kerr, came and endorsed to give our keynote speech and told everybody there that actually he will personally support each and every one of them if they put the effort in and that he would be willing to receive an email from each and every one of them if they need some help. If I if am not able to help them, he said, reach out to me, I'll make sure that things happen. So we've got endorsement of the highest level. Mm. They believed, they suddenly went, wow, gosh, this is for real. This is not just a tick box exercise. Mm. Um, so yes, there was some training. There was some understanding of what innovation is. We, we spent a day together doing examples, doing workshops, brainstorming, creative problem solving techniques not into an in-depth sort of academic level, but very much high level, you know, just to give them a feel for what we would expect from them to do. And at the end of the day, we said to them, is this still something you want to do? If if it's not, you can walk away having had a fantastic day, no pressure, and a couple of people left, the the Innovation Champion Network, but they've
0: contributed since, but not not as an Innovation Champion. So what do you think the impact has been of... Enabling them to be innovation champions and making their resource available to the rest of the organization. Belief that actually it's taken seriously.
2: So, where Bright Ideas failed was that it was an ad hoc, sporadic um, system, for want of better word, uh, which didn't have any, any traction. Whereas they now feel empowered. They now feel that if I want to go to an innovation meeting or attend an innovation workshop or go to meet someone like you, for example, and they have to take half a day off, that is not seen as a waste of time. So um, given
0: the space and the time correct. to innovate.
2: Correct. As long as we can bring everybody up to a level where we have a better understanding of what good could look like. That's what I'm trying to do. And you talked
0: about Innovation Edge. What, tell me
2: yes. about that. So, Innovation <coughs> at Edge is our public innovation portfolio. It's where we showcase some of the, the best and um, brightest ideas that we've come up with to sort of paint a picture that Murphy is not just about paying, you know banging pegs in the ground and pouring concrete, but actually we solve problems. One of my aspirations is to be seen as a solutions provider, not just a civil engineering company, but uh, a company that a client or organization can come to to solve its problems what our innovation portal uh, is which is currently internally facing will do in, in in due course once our maturity develops is there will be a business challenge part of that portal at the moment we have two work streams we've got share your innovation so get people to share all the good stuff that they've done you know get to, get get a bit of credit a bit, of, a bit of, Credibility, the momentum, a bit of recognition. But the second one is send us your new ideas, give us your ideas of how we can help you develop them. So that's that Murphy eBay example I gave you. Someone came up with an idea, they put it through there, we help them mature, bring that idea to life. We've got well one over hundred ideas in so far, which is fantastic. You know, it's brilliant. Um, but we're gonna have a third workshop. which we should call it a business challenge. And what this business challenge will be will be a, a sort of a, a crowdsourced way of solving problems. So it could be an internal business challenge like how do we reduce our electricity footprint for example people throw their ideas at that and then we, we ratify the idea and say right this is a, a good idea to solve but what we're hoping to do what I my aspiration is to make that public to our client organizations and so our clients and also but our contractors and say right client mock, what's your what's your biggest problem what keeps you up at night let's say you're a water company and you get water leaks and it's costing you millions of pounds every month in uh, not just any reparations but fines and and waste you put that as a challenge you know, how do we reduce or speed up water section or fixing water leaks whatever put that as a challenge we can then put that seek out our expertise in house but then we can reach out to our supply chain academia SMEs startups and say guys on through innovation edge we have a new challenge, come help us fix it. It could actually be a business development tool for you as well, didn't it? Absolutely, that's exactly, that's exactly the way I'm looking at it. And I'm, our work-winning team were thinking, that, that's really a fantastic idea. And you tie that in with R&D and the R&D tax credits, and you can almost use it as a KPI for what we're delivering to clients. Yeah. The more innovation we deliver to a client, sure, they may still pay the same contract, you know, we've signed a contract, but they may see more value by us delivering innovation, still a contract cost, but they get a better product at the end of it. They see, they derive more value from the asset that we've built for them. They see the amount of innovation that we've rebated from it, and they kind of say, well, actually, yeah, you, your project has delivered all the value to us because you've innovated a lot. Mm. And ultimately, what I'd love to do is then to go back to the client and start front-loading innovation uh, as part of the work-winning strategy and say, right, do a, pay, a bit of a pain-gain share. We did a crossroad. You know, the, the contractors paid Crossrail to be part of the innovation programme. So how about the clients puts a bit of money on the table, we put a bit of money on the table, and we use that to stimulate opportunities with universities and SMEs. And, and We've had
0: other clients and other organisations who do that, and they put it as kind of a drawdown fund. So I mean, I, I probably could guess what your answer will be, but who do you think owns innovation? I, I'm the figurehead for it. I lead it. I, I stimulate it.
2: But innovation is owned by every single individual. In the business, and I've made that very—I mean, I made that crystal clear. It's not John Murphy's thing. It's not my thing. It's not the champions' thing. It's everyone's thing. Innovation is not—is no longer just a nice to-have tick-box management exercise. It's been recognised by our clients. I was talking about working a minute ago. It's coming up in our tenders now. We have to categorically give tangible proof of our innovation capability. What innovation that we do. So what I would like to be able to do is a stranger, anyone in the business, be able to ask anyone in the business and say, what's innovation mean to Murphy? And be able to answer it clearly. If you, in our industry, as I'm sure you know, health and safety is a massive thing. Ask anybody within the business what's health and safety, they'll tell you. We're not quite there yet with innovation, but that's my goal. And the ownership has to come from everyone to be an ambassador for for innovation.
0: What are you most proud of, or what do you most love? (laughs) And are most passionate about in the in your job the thing i'm most proud of is
2: i think i've mentioned it earlier is seeing people's realization that actually their ideas can come to life and that they are a valued person they're a valued they are they add value to the business they value to themselves but also that they can grow and change as an individual as well seeing people's behaviors change for me is is it puts a massive smile on my face. Coming into work and kind of people kind of going, "Will I've got a fantastic idea?" To me, having to chase people for ideas, seeing that turn in behaviour, of people pulling me rather than me having to push. We all know about push pull relationships. Um, uh, and when I first started in the first year, there was a lot of pushing by me, saying, "Come on!" But now people want to talk to me. People are really passionate and excited about delivering innovation. They want to be involved in it. They want to submit some of their ideas to industry events for prizes and, uh, and awards, like the ICE and uh, construction news, all these sort of things. We're now applying for innovation awards, which we never did before. And people are looking back and saying, oh, bloody hell, we did some really good stuff, didn't we? We are changing the industry, slowly but surely, but we are actually leading a lot more than we realise, and it's just given that realisation. I'm not an expert in... In, in making people become innovation experts, I'm not an expert in training people in becoming creative problem solvers. I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert necessarily of what I do, but I am good at helping people believe that what we're doing is the right thing to do, and seeing them come to that belief and actually acknowledging and seeing it come to life. For me, is is the thing that keeps me bouncing down the street when I go to work in the morning.
0: So, um, if someone's sitting here uh, listening to this, um, and they are trying to develop their innovation strategy. What three pieces of advice would you give them as they start to formulate their strategy? Firstly, you
2: have to have a huge amount of uh, strength and tenacity because there will be a lot of naysayers. There will be a lot of people who don't understand it. Uh, so so be very, very um, uh not bloody-minded, it's maybe too far, but, but tenacious and strong and resolute in your and beliefs is key. Also, Same. secondly, understanding the business, getting under the skin of the business. Not trying to deliver an innovation strategy within two weeks, three weeks. Get a feel for business. Understand the senior leadership team. Understand the junior members of the team. Understand the whole business as a whole. You know, Try and vicariously absorb everything that's happening in the business so that when you create an innovation strategy, Or an innovation capability, you can address key issues for everyone, and and there'll be something that people can relate to. If you try and put a a cookie cutter approach from another program, from another um, uh, capability that you've done somewhere else, it won't work. It might work a little bit, but you can take the core values from that. But you need to remember that that, that it has to be molded, forged around the people and around the culture of the business. Lastly, you need to try and, if you can, bring in you know a, a a cultural understanding of what innovation is. Maybe some training of some kind if you have a particularly immature industry. Bringing in people like yourself, Mark, or you know, the, 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 the Institute of Innovation and Knowledge Exchange or professional body or consultancy in there. Just to give you a bit of a, an overview, I did that with uh, the innovation, uh, the Institute of Innovation and Knowledge Exchange. I'm a fellow, and I made my engineering di- director attend their, one of their courses. It was a one-day leadership course conference. And they came back, and they were on my page, and they, they suddenly became overnight. I mean, they, they were supportive of me, but they suddenly became much more aware of what their role is a place so you need to find a supporter within the senior leadership team that will push and help and, and be your bodyguard, cultural capability, but with a with a bodyguard from a, from a, from a, an influential position because you don't have to be a director to change the the, the the business. I I'm not at a director level. I'm a senior I'm a senior leader within the business, but I've influenced change when I was a 4s I was a junior manager there. I proposed a change to the to the business they brought in the relevant people so you, anyone can simulate change but you have to have that buy-in from the senior to leadership team to help push it uh, across the whole
0: great That's some really good advice there thank you for sharing it. thank you for sharing your own passion and your stories and i wish you well as you continue to innovate at like jay murphy and sons thank you very much
1: Uh, It was brilliant to hear someone who's so passionate about innovation in their organisation. I can see that he would really seek to enable others to innovate through that passion. In the book, Mark, you you talk about a number of different ways of enabling people and you share some stories from organisations which have done it in different ways. Could you maybe share a couple of examples or some insights that you've had into how you can actually enable your people to innovate?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I'll share a couple or three. So the first is around just being aware and being conscious that ideas come from anywhere. They're not just uh, the repository of the innovation team, so it's a responsibility of everyone in the organisation. Secondly, you do need to give them some training. We'll talk about that. You need to build their capability and not just assume that they're going to be able to spot the the problem, gather the insight um, and actually then create the idea and prototype and test it. Then I think you just need to make sure you give them a focus. Tell them what you want them to focus on and then with this new skill, with this mindset, with leaders in the organisation who are encouraging, with the structure and process that they're able to actually come up with the idea, clearly on the focus and the innovation direction, you will turbocharge innovation in your business. And that absolutely loops back to the very
1: beginning of the innovation ecosystem, doesn't it? I know in, in the book you, you visualise it as a, as a feedback loop and you have the innovation and then that goes back and if, if the innovation doesn't work, um, or if there's learning to be had from the innovation, you go right back to the start. Can you talk to us a little
0: bit about that, that process, that building, testing, and learning process? Yeah, absolutely. So it is about, about uh, rapidly um, iterating. So if you have all these four key elements in place in the innovation ecosystem, and when your minimal viable product pops out, your brand, your experience, or whatever it might be, and you test it, and it doesn't work, that's okay you need to take learnings from it. But it's also worth just going back around the innovation ecosystem and saying, right, did we have the right innovation direction are we pointing in the right direction do we really in our environment have leaders who encourage people to really work cross-functional and really experiment and fail fast and did we have the right structure and processes in place in the engine do we have did we really give them enough time in the enablers did we really skill them up do they really understand what an insight is and so whilst you're also iterating on the innovation itself it's worth going back strategically and saying have we really set up the four Elements in the innovation ecosystem so that we can not only learn from what we're innovating on now but make sure we are set up for future success
1: so we're speaking on the people innovation podcast talking about the innovation ecosystem so most of our listeners are from the HR community what would you say to them to help them to create that loop of feedback to enable the innovation ecosystem to thrive
0: so uh, the first thing is about how they work with their leadership teams to help them encourage people to experiment Um, And secondly, it's about the reward mechanisms you have in place in the organisation. Are you rewarding people for learning? Or are your reward mechanisms encouraging people to hide their failures and therefore not focus on their learning? And I think the HR community are absolutely uniquely placed to be able to create that continual iteration and learning experience in an organisation. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for joining us for the
1: last four weeks to share the innovation ecosystem with us. I know people have been really appreciating your insights into innovation in organisations. You know, if you in your organisation have built any enablers uh, or are looking to consider building enablers, do reach out to us uh, on to me on hello at innovationbeehive.com. You can find us on LinkedIn. Facebook and Twitter to join the conversation. And you know the People Innovation Podcast is going to continue and we would love to hear from you about the kind of themes that you'd want us to be exploring. What are some of the challenges that you're facing around innovation in your organization? What are some of the challenges you want innovation to solve Or what are some of the problems that you're facing to build your innovation ecosystem? And then we can start to address those um, as you you let us know. So please do reach out, hello at innovationbeehive.com or find the Innovation Beehive on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you for being part of our conversation. Thank you for sharing your insights, Mark. And I look forward to chatting to you soon. Join the People Innovation Conversation. Find the Innovation Beehive on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter or email hello at innovationbeehive.com.